0: Hello and welcome back to Financial Friends. Thank you everyone for clicking on this video and for joining me for another episode of This Week in Finance, a podcast by Financial Friends and hosted by the one, the only me, Brendan. I'm also the founder, the creator of Financial Friends, which is a community for people who love business, finance, and investing-related content Thank you again for joining me for this episode of This Week in Finance. We are going to dive into everything that I found notable over the course of this week. We have a jam-packed episode full of a lot of different and unique topics, a couple of which are related to sports, so hopefully that interests you. We also have some stories on meta, uh, some in the movie industry some in the sort of entertainment disney sphere if you will as well as some quotes here from jamie diamond on the future of the economy so if you're interested in that stick around let's go ahead and dive into things first things first we have pro sports teams becoming a highly attractive new asset class now i will pull back here right from the beginning and say that i don't think that these are a new asset class i just think Wealthy people have always dominated this asset class very, very clearly. I mean, sports teams cost a large sum of money. Chelsea's FC, or football club, that is a soccer team's $5.3 billion sale, marked the largest of a sports team ever. And you could see here the average price of NFL teams increasing over the course of 2002 to 2020 from $423 million to $3 billion in 2020. This is obviously happening in both the NBA, the MLB, and you're seeing some appreciation in sports teams in the NHL as well, which here in the United States um, tends to be the lesser of the four major sports. I personally am a huge fan of the hockey and the NHL. I played for a very, very long time. That's why these type of sports topics do interest me. I'm also a big NBA fan as well. However, keeping to this, sort of idea of a new asset class kind of unfolding. I think obviously for wealthier people, they are tending to see that sports is a good investment. I think we all understand that sports is a good investment. Mr. Zach Leonosis, hopefully I pronounced that right, did say in the video uh, that is found here on this article. If you want to go ahead and check it out, I highly recommend watching the video aspect of it. He gives some good insight. Um, He speaks to the fact that over the course of the, the 2020 pandemic into 2021, when you have sports teams not competing in person, you still saw valuations hold up or even climb in many sports teams, signaling that people like sports. People want to be involved in the sports world. I think if you just kind of use common sense, sports is entertainment. Sports gives you uh, some form of of entertainment, some sense of belonging and community. And we, many of us at least, grew up playing sports. So we use sports as an outlet. It's whether you're happy, you want to watch your sports teams win, you're feeling down, you want to get an escape, you want to just kind of throw yourself into some entertainment, into sports. I think everyone can relate to sports in some way. Everyone has it on their TVs at some point. Everyone gathers for it, like the Super Bowl at some point. Uh, So sports is something that connects to everybody. We use it as an escape and as entertainment. So the valuations of these sort of businesses, if you will, these sports teams can continue to hold up even in negative times. That is obviously a very good hedge for people looking to make investments in these sports teams. Something that I think and that brings or this topic brings to light is the idea of average people like myself being able to invest in sports teams. There are options that we can use like MSGS, ticker symbol MSGS is Madison Square Garden Sports. I do believe that's the correct ticker symbol. You can invest or sort of invest in the New York Rangers, New York Knicks. I feel that that's a very interesting opportunity, but what I'm thinking of is a more direct investment in a sports team, maybe using NFTs, the blockchain decentralization, The idea that I threw around with my father was, let's take Mark Cuban, for example, someone who I think would be very open to doing something like this at some point if it made sense for him. Let's say, and he owns the Dallas Mavericks for anyone who is unaware. Let's say Mark Cuban takes 25% of the Dallas Maverick ownership, shaves it off and separates it. So now there is 75% controlled by him or whoever entities he has working alongside of him. And then you have the 25%. This might be open to 1 million people. So 1 million people have a slice in a 25% ownership stake in the Dallas Mavericks. Now let's say Mark Cuban wants to make a decision. Maybe he has a few other people that are voting with him or alongside of him, or maybe it's just him controlling the 75% but that 25% can then do a proxy vote, similar to something that we do as shareholders of stocks. And now we get to make decisions on the team. Maybe that has nothing to do with the players or the GM or the coach whatsoever, but maybe it has something to do with the building or the way the team is ran or the opportunities as a business that the team has. Maybe different sponsorships, different arena modifications, whatever it might be. Online things, how ticket purchasing works, whatever. Wouldn't that be really cool to have an actual true ownership stake in one specific team? I think that would be pretty interesting. And I think that it's something that some owners should consider, especially with those lower or smaller teams within the leagues, smaller market teams like Minnesota Timberwolves in the NBA, the Phoenix or the Arizona Coyotes rather in the NHL teams like this might benefit from shareholder investment or people who want to support their hometown team. Now, moving on, back to the legacy side, back to traditional sports um, and finance here, we have Phil Knight, founder and former CEO of Nike, along with Los Angeles Dodgers part owner Alan Smolinsky offering for $2 billion to purchase the Portland Trailblazers. That, of course, was denied um, a spokesperson for the team, simply saying an offer was made by Phil Knight and the team remains not for sale. Not too much to continue to expand on this. Obviously this being more um, a, a sports topic, not a finance topic, but I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, Nike owner or founder rather Phil Knight being from Oregon or the team rather kind of, or the Nike, I'm sorry, being founded in Oregon, being from Oregon, him trying to purchase the Portland Trailblazers. I just thought it was very, very interesting, Um, and it, of course, has to do with finance. Being a $2 billion purchase is nothing to look the other way at. Now, something that I did not look away at from this weekend, I actually saw this movie twice. Top Gun Maverick grosses $124 million domestically, making it Tom Cruise's best Domestic weekend. It brought in a total of $248 million. Absolutely fantastic opening for the movie and for Paramount, drumming a ton of attention to their brand, obviously. I think this kind of marks this significance in movie going. I think we've seen some good movies coming out. We have a lot of good movies coming down the Disney pipeline. I've spoken a lot about that, obviously, myself being a big shareholder in Disney. I'm very, very excited for the future of these next six months, drumming up more attention for Disney, drumming up more attention for this movie industry in general, and potentially some of that falling over into the entertainment industry. Now, consumers, the way that consumers can hold up over the course of these next six months, we have that recession fear kind of looming. I guess we'll see how that all plays out, but this nonetheless, um, a big move, in the entertainment industry, a big move for Paramount and hopefully a next big six months coming up for Disney. Speaking of Disney, the former CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, took a stake in the Australian design company Canva. It has been valued at $40 billion. It made the list of the top 50 disruptors for CNBC. And the reason I bring this up, the reason I make note of this is every single design, graphic, graphic thumbnail that you've ever seen come off of the financial friends, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, public, um, YouTube, has all been designed on Canva. I absolutely love the platform that Canva has. I use it all the time. And I will now be very interested to watch what Bob Iger continues to do as he's no longer correlated with Disney. He can make his own investments. He has a stake in the company GoPuff. delivery company as well as in funko which is a toy maker sort of collectible company so i'm going to keep my eye out for the investments bob Iger makes i would 100 at least emotionally make an investment in canva Um, like i said i really really believe in the the company the platform i really enjoy it and i think they have a really good revenue stream at least i would assume it's a reoccurring revenue stream they're continuing to bolster the platform i personally am a user of it And we'll continue to be a user of it. So I think it's very interesting. Just wanted to bring it up. Uh, It doesn't have too, too much relevance. It didn't rank, here we go, number four on that CNBC annual disruptor list. So we're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, Maybe watch for an IPO of Canva. I think that would be pretty interesting as well. Switching topics here. I'm going to get a quick sip of water. Meta, or Facebook rather. (laughs) But no, but Meta now, Meta Platforms, is getting a change in their ticker symbol from FB to META or Meta. This change is going to take place on June 9th. And of all of the news surrounding Meta right now, this is definitely the least notable because Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Meta, has left the company. Now, reportedly, this is a peaceful transfer. She's not leaving with any ill will. She's actually still on the board of directors for Facebook or for Meta. She came in and really helped establish the company. This is noted here in Mark Zuckerberg's post. When Cheryl joined in 2008, I was 23 years old and barely knew anything about running a company. We built a great product, the Facebook website, but we didn't have a profitable business. She came in did ads, hired people, forged management, and taught me, that being Mark Zuckerberg, how to run a company. And she deserves so much of the credit for what Meta is for. Now, she received that credit um, having sold $1.7 billion of Facebook stock over the last 10 years. This was, however, all in regularly scheduled share sale programs. The reason that's notable is because again, it signals that she didn't sell stock because of a disbelief in the company, but rather to pay taxes, Um, and to become very, very wealthy, worth $3.2 billion. Uh, She does still hold on to a quarter of the shares that she does own. Looks like she picked those shares up for a relatively uh, cheap price. The stock was priced at $38 during the IPO, her average sale price being at $79.10. So that tells you where she's been selling, where she could potentially have shares at, how cheap they could potentially be at. She did say that she just wanted to get away from that business world, wants to focus more on philanthropy. Um, and it also seems, you know, she, she came in with this, at least as I was listening to CNBC, she came into this whole Facebook uh, venture, really only looking to spend five years with the company. She spent 14 years there. So uh, she obviously liked what was going on and was continuing to help build. The big story really coming out of all of this is that she didn't leave in ill will and she didn't leave because of the company's transfer. The company's change from Facebook to this bigger, broader idea of meta and creating the metaverse. Now, the reason Mark Zuckerberg's post here is so important is because of what it says in it. Now, I'm not going to go through this word for word. A, that would be a waste of your time. And B, I don't completely understand this company. I'm going to be like really forefronting with this. I do not directly own any Meta stock, nor do I really enjoy the company. I wouldn't ever directly invest in the company. The reason why is I don't personally believe in this metaverse push, but Mark Zuckerberg does, and he is helping design this company and shift this company to something where the metaverse will be very important. The metaverse is a business that is going to consistently lose money for a long time. He's going to use the basically profits from Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and their other businesses to help fund this expansion into the metaverse. You can read from about this point down. Mark Zuckerberg really covers a lot. Oops. Let me go ahead and fix this. Mark Zuckerberg really covers a lot of the structural changes within the company that are going to take place. The first sort of piece of this says Looking forward, I don't plan to replace Cheryl's role in our existing structure. I'm not sure that would even be possible because of the superstar that she was. She defined the role in her own unique way. If it even were possible, I think meta has reached the point where it makes sense for our product and business groups to be more closely integrated rather than having the business and the operations functions organized separately from our products. This essentially meaning the business and operations. So running the company, how to become profitable, how to make the most money versus the actual products they're creating. That being the metaverse the meta quest, the VR headsets, the Facebook platform that I'm on now, the Instagram platform that I use all the time, the WhatsApp platform, all of these are really big, massive businesses that they run. These are their products. The business and operations side is how these products can generate money, that being advertisements and other things like that. He continues to make note um, that he has hired a new COO. Javi. I don't have the gentleman's last name. I do apologize for that. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. Um, But he will now continue to run the COO in more of a traditional role. And here, from this point down, he highlights all the people who are going to be in what specific roles, who's reporting to who, and how all that new structure is working. This is a big sticking point for a ton of people who are big investors in Meta. They want to understand how the future of the company is gonna be structured. So if that's you, go ahead, use the link in my description or the description of this video and click this link. I'm not 100% sure it will come up right away. Um, You might have to log in first, but otherwise go to your Facebook page, go ahead and just search up Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook, click on his profile and you'll find this post. But let's go ahead and move forward. Elon Musk told Tesla employees, really the executives, it's time to return. It's time to come back to the office. Quote, anyone who wishes to do remote work must be in the office for a minimum, and I mean minimum, of 40 hours per week or depart Tesla. This is less than we ask of our factory workers, end quote. He also noted, you cannot show up to one of our remote branch offices and do unrelated things from the job. He wants you in the location of what you have to do. Essentially, if you are HR for people in Fremont or one of their their big warehouses or their big uh, factories, then you probably should be there working directly with the people. I have noted here, this seems to be a really big story, a story that I feel like with other companies might not be amplified as much. With other CEOs, rather, it might not be amplified as much. Um, This is his own personal decision. He does run this company. He does have say and power and sway in these types of decisions. He clearly feels that this is best for the company moving forward, and so he's making this decision. I agree that in today's day and age, there are specific people or specific companies that can work better being remote. The whole idea of Airbnb being 100% remote makes a ton of sense. They have no physical product that they're really moving, operating, um, They essentially lend out other people's homes to other people and they're just providing the customer support and the platform to do so. Tesla sells real cars. So they have actual people in a factory building actual cars and then if they have other people trying to manage those people or ahead of those people or help support those people, how can they do so not being around those people? I don't necessarily disagree with this. I think that if he's the executive officer of this company, then he gets this decision. And I feel that for this company, it probably makes a ton of sense for this to be the case, to be in the office. He did say, if you do not show up, we will assume you have resigned. Back in the sports world, LeBron James becomes the first active player worth $1 billion. Obviously, you have Michael Jordan, who is a billionaire with the Jordan-Brandon Hall of his business ventures being the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, but he did not make that billion dollars while he was actively playing. LeBron James, still an active member of the Los Angeles Lakers, has crossed that threshold. You could see down here um, what Forbes assumes to have been a lot of his $1 billion enterprise $385 $385 million has come from his 19-year career playing with the Lakers, the Cavaliers, and the Miami Heat. $500 million are from cash and investments, along with a big one in Spring Hill. Um, that being the... Where did that go? Oh, that was up here. I apologize. That being the creator or the the producer of Space Jam A New Legacy. He also has The Shop, which is... a. A sit-down sort of podcast interview style um, thing that used to be on HBO is now on YouTube. And then you have a $90 million investment in Fenway Sports Group, which owns the Boston Red Sox, $80 million in real estate, and a $30 million investment in different food and beverage industry things, notably Blaze Pizza. Um, yeah, LeBron James is fabulous. Um, I really think this kind of speaks to his true legendary ability to turn a career. Granted, he is one one of the best basketball players in the world. Um, A lot of people are going to probably argue in the comments about whether Michael Jordan or LeBron James is a better basketball player. I'm not here to do that. Um, But I am here to note that clearly LeBron James was able to capture his stardom while being in the NBA. A lot of big basketball players, football players, hockey players, baseball players can run out of money because they have a very short time to play and generate income, and they end up overextending themselves in the post-playing time, and they're no longer able to generate enough money to continue to fund their lifestyle. LeBron James is going to be set for life. He had reportedly a $1 billion lifetime deal from Nike that... Obviously, it makes him a billionaire at the time when he did sign that deal, but he doesn't obviously get $1 billion right away. Um, but first player to cross this $1 billion net worth threshold. Congratulations to LeBron James. I know he's not watching this video, um, but it is definitely something worth talking about. That's why I spent some time doing that here. Now, back to reality, back to the economy. Jamie Dimon just recently spoke and said that there are storm clouds coming. Well, he changed that and quote, you know, I said there's storm clouds, but I'm going to change it. It's a hurricane. He also said that while conditions seem fine at the time or at this moment, nobody knows if the hurricane is again, quote, a minor one or super storm Sandy, end quote. You better brace yourself. He said, he did say that Chase, JP Morgan Chase, the company that he is CEO of, is preparing just in the same way that he assumes things are gonna happen. They are preparing, they're bolstering their balance sheet, they're making some changes, um, and there's really a couple big things that we see coming down the pipeline, some reasons why this could all be happening. Number one, we have QT, or quantitative tightening. He says something that we... Should be, or I'm sorry, we have never seen QT like this. So you're looking at something you could be writing history books on for 50 years. We had quantitating easing programs that he said backfired, including negative rates. This is when we're lowering interest rates. Uh, The Federal Reserve is buying a ton of bonds, helping push liquidity into the markets. Um, They are now doing the opposite or the reverse of that, taking liquidity out of the markets. That's quantitative tightening as well as raising interest rates to make borrowing money harder to do. That quantitative tightening is starting this month. Um, About $95 billion a month will be reduced in bond holdings off of the Federal Reserve's balance sheets. Again, taking away potential liquidity, not supporting business and finance related things in the economy. That is in short going to put pressures on our economy interest rates are going up they are raising those interest rates not allowing people to borrow money not allowing people to create more money not pushing more money into our markets and the real idea here is can we navigate this in a way where we kind of land softly where things don't come crashing and burning down all at once that is the story that is the topic that is what is being discussed amongst everybody and that's why you do see markets kind of trending downwards now we have seen some green pushback here recently causing a lot of investors or at least retail investors to assume that the worst is over and i don't necessarily think that's the case jamie diamond clearly does not think that is the case at all um so We're really just going to wait and see here. Nobody can do anything about this other than the Federal Reserve. This is 100% completely in their hands. That's why you see so much discussion constantly about when Jerome Powell is speaking, when the Federal Reserve is doing things, when interest rates will be going up. And there's some other factors we really don't have any control over, that being the war in Ukraine. Wars, as Jamie Dimon says, go bad, and they tend to go south in unintended consequences. We've seen oil become more expensive, and we've seen that effect on gas prices here in the United States. Here in Michigan, the gas prices crossed $5 today, something that I have never seen in my 20 years of existence here um, within Michigan, within the United States so this is an unprecedented time we do not know how this is going to move forward again he changed his whole sentiment from storm clouds to a potential hurricane when you have people this high up mentioning these types of things when someone who runs a multi-billion dollar company is preparing the company for bad things that does send some type of signal to us regular people us regular or retail investors so Something to look out for, something to keep your eyes out or your eyes on rather. Um, And if you were a normal investor, what should you do? That's up to you. And it really depends on your time horizon. Like I mentioned, I'm 20 years old. I have a very long time horizon. So this sort of dip or potential fall in the economy would actually be beneficial to me long term. I'm able to buy securities and assets at cheaper prices and hold on to them for a very, very long time. Is that the case for you? I'm not sure talk to a financial advisor, talk to someone who is registered and legally obligated to give you their best interest. So with all that being said, stay tuned for Financial Friends. We'll continue to keep you updated on those types of stories. I will always do my best to provide the best type of information that I can possibly give to you. I do have some videos on how to save money, how to invest, or how I'm investing rather in these types of times. So go ahead and click on those videos, um, scroll through, check and see if there's any videos you want out. The video on how to save some more money and how to invest some more money is gonna be up here in the top right-hand corner of the screen. There's gonna be some suggested videos over on this side. The subscribe button will be right up here. So go ahead and click on that, join the friend group, and make sure you hit the notification bell after subscribing, that way you don't miss another video. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed I hope you learned something new. And I will see you all on Tuesday. Bye-bye.